Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders and specialists about their maverick approach to business, opportunity, and life. The show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Jay Tompkins. Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast. Today, we have Keith Wagner, who's been a client of mine and an insurance agent for a very long time. He has some very fun and unique stories about insurance, particularly in the commercial realm. He teaches insurance agents. He knows it all. It's a fun listen, and I hope you enjoy. All right, Mr. Keith Wagner here on the Maverick CPA Podcast. Keith, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Jay. Nice nice to uh, be here. Well, I appreciate it. And for those of you who don't know Keith Wagner, he is the guy in farmer's insurance, among many, many other things. And so he is extremely interesting to dig deep into insurance and other training facilities he does for insurance and so forth. So Keith, tell me a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Jay. I've been an insurance agent for uh, 28 years, so sort of before dinosaurs and electricity. And, you know, prior to that, I did some other things. And when I got into the industry, I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I decided that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to learn everything I possibly can. Over the years, I have gotten to the point where I'm seen as as an expert with with insurance and especially with commercial insurance. Jay, I've at this point in the last five years, I have taught over eight thousand agents how to sell commercial insurance and taught them about commercial insurance all over the country. It's a, uh, it's a great little you know sideline that I do uh, besides having my agency. Right, right. And I know you've told me some stories of being like super uber premium miles guy. And give me a fun story around that. I remember one in particular, but you've got some good ones, you know, having the the super duper class system in the mileage groups. Well, Jay, this this one is is getting to be more frequent. I I tend to wear white shirts and black pants and uh, I'm tall and my hair is white. So when I walk through the airport, I'm there so often that people recognize me and they assume I'm a pilot. And I got to the TSA in Milwaukee, was not Milwaukee, I'm sorry, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was walking around and I was looking for the clear lane and I was just searching and searching and I couldn't find it. And this TSA man was sitting by a door and he said, Cap, can I help you? And I said, I'm looking for the, the clear. And he goes, you don't need to go through that. Just just go right here. And he opens a door and he lets me in without going through security. And I said, no, I probably should really go through security. He goes, no, 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 you don't have to. And he shut the door and there I was on the other side. And just recently I was in Los Angeles. I was at LAX and I'm a 1K on United. So I'm one of the first people on the plane. And I was standing in the line. I walked up with my luggage and a flight attendant was standing there waiting. And she goes, hi, Cap. I said, hi. She said, are you, you taking us home tonight? I said, nope, I'm a passenger tonight. And one thing led to another, and they got real busy at the, at the gate. 
And the uh, lady at the gate said to me, hey, Cap, do you know about anything about the Houston airport? I said, yeah, I know a lot about Houston. She said, can you help these people? And pretty soon I'm helping some people. And everybody thinks I'm the captain of the airplane. That's hilarious. And, and, uh, and you know, when you're in these airports this often, they, they just recognize you. You know, I know everybody at the airport. And it's it's the craziest darn thing. And and my, my wife tells me if they call up over the intercom and says, we need somebody to fly the plane. I'm not allowed to go up there and do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but of those to choose from, you'd probably be the next most qualified. Just I, be- <laughs> yeah. At, at the rate I'm going, I, I probably, you know, I could stand up and look at everybody in the crowd and say, I'll take care of this. And everybody think, oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's got a handle on it. You know, I'd get up there and probably crash everybody, but, but they, they'd go down in confidence. That's for sure. That is amazing. I can't believe that guy. This shows you the, how secure things really are. Right. That uh, a guy yeah. walking around, not even in a full uniform, nope. can can be <clears throat> can, sit, can look that way. And the guy just let you through. No big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I and I kept telling him, no, I really I, I really want to go through security. You know, I never said I was a pilot or anything. And he's like, no, no, no. He's he, like he was really helping me. And and then all of a sudden the door shuts and I'm back there and I went, OK, I guess I didn't have to go through security. The The one in L.A. just recently finally the flight attendant looked at me and she said, come on, let's go down. And I said, well, I got to scan my ticket. She says, you don't have to scan your ticket. Let's go. So I went and got on the plane. I sat in my seat. I was down there about 20 minutes with him in the plane. And yeah, if, if I was um, somebody with some nefarious uh, ideas, I, I could have taken the plane and flew off with it before any of the passengers got on. Yeah, security, security is not nearly as as good as what people think it is. Well, and it, and a lot of it is, you know, the sight of it more than yeah. anything it has been has been in many news stories from that perspective. Anyway, that's that's super interesting to hear. So, I guess tell me a little bit about your family too. I've been married almost thirty four years to the same woman, uh, which is a, a rarity nowadays. Yeah, um, and I have two children. My oldest daughter is a uh, trauma surgeon. In uh, at the University of Kentucky Medical Center up in Lexington, Kentucky. And my son is, he's married to a physician also, and they live up north of Fort Worth, and he's an attorney and does oil and gas attorney type work. And, you know, after we put him through college, they were off making money. So that's my retirement plan is uh, to make sure that they return all that money we gave them for uh, college and graduate school. Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty solid retirement plan when you've got a physician, an attorney, and married to a physician. So, well, whether you saved it or spent it, you've set yourself up for a, a you know, hopefully, just don't make them mad, right? And, and yeah, make- well, and, and you've known me a long time, Jay. You know, the two things I need most in my life is a, a doctor and an attorney. My wife's an accountant, and that's, I joke that, that I have two accountants. I have one that I sleep with and one that I don't. And uh, for everybody listening, I don't sleep with Jay. <laughs> and then I have a doctor and an attorney, so I've, I've got everything I need. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, you know, like you said, you've gotten real deep into commercial insurance and training it. And I've always said that the best way to learn is to teach. So what are some things, whether it's recently, you know, through COVID or otherwise that, you know, people just don't know about insurance and they focus on a premium payment versus more than what they're actually buying or getting? That's that's really a great question, Jay. Um, what happened, and this happens, it's not just COVID, but we'll use COVID as the example. Every time there is a shock, 
whether it be a hurricane, an earthquake, a major disaster, airplane crash, or even COVID, everybody gets into their insurance policy and says, okay, how am I going to recover from this? And what happened with COVID was a lot of people got into their insurance policy and realized there was no recovery, not not from the insurance industry, because the bacteria and virus endorsement had been added back a number of years ago, back when there was SARS-1. And a lot of people just never even realized it. They never thought, none of us ever thought there'd be this black swan event where, you know, we'd be home for years, never mind weeks. So what ended up happening and what happens all the time after these big events, there's a flight to quality and people end up coming back to their insurance agent and saying, okay, why didn't I have this? Why didn't you offer this? Why couldn't I get this? And most insurance agents in America are home and auto agents. That's what they do for a living. So they're really good if you have a car or a house or you maybe need an umbrella policy. However, only about 2 or 3% of the agents in America really deal with commercial insurance and really understand it. So a lot of people, a lot of small business owners, will go out and they'll they'll start a business and the first person they call is their home agent and say, hey, I just started a business. I'm an electrician. Can you give me a policy? Well, of course, the agent's going to give them a policy, and but the agent probably doesn't know the intricacies of commercial insurance. So what I tell people in my trainings is if you're going to get into commercial insurance, get into it really understand it. Don't get into it to dabble, get into it to actually do something with it. For me, I'm a rarity. I'm licensed in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. I've got a PhD in insurance. I, I do this. This is what I do all day. So when I talk to uh, business owners, they say to me, why didn't my agent ever tell me about this? And it's probably because they never knew about it. You know, and you think about accounting, there are all kinds of accountants. You know, there are cost accountants and there are tax accountants. And and just because you have the word accountant next to your name doesn't mean that you really understand everything. You know, my daughter is a trauma surgeon and she calls me sometimes and says, Dad, my neck hurts. What do you think I have? And I'm like, you're you're a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what you have. And she's like, oh, God, I, I think I have meningitis. And we had that conversation just recently. And I said, well, uh, can't you self-diagnose it? And she's like, I don't know anything about meningitis. I know about people coming in broken in pieces, right? So, so what happens is with insurance is you need to discover an agent that really understands what they're talking about and really understands, quite honestly, your business. Yeah, that's a great point. And like you said, it applies to many different professional services, whether that's an attorney, an accountant, an insurance agent. And I would challenge anybody listening to this to simply make sure you're asking the right questions, right? A relationship is important, right? You want to be able to talk to and have a good communication relationship or good customer service from your service providers. Totally agree with that, but that doesn't mean you're getting what you need or you potentially haven't grown out of or change of environment that you made to change your agent, your attorney, your CPA, 
right? It applies in all areas. And too often, I see it all the time where, you know, same thing. We ask, well, why are you this type of entity in the clients? Well, I don't know. We just, that's what we've been for 20 years. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, has no one ever talked to you about any other options or why that might be important? Well, no. Well, okay. That's because the guy who you're paying to do your tax return, he may do a great job, you're not paying him or engaging with him to do any sort of planning or anything outside of here are my numbers, father return. So many times, again, just what you say is they think they're getting something great because the agent is their friend, buddy, or they play golf with them or whatever, and they sold you a policy, but maybe that's not really what you need. And you just have to spend the time to ask the questions and understand. And yeah. either that agent is going to be able to say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Or, I mean, any any service provider, I don't know what I'm going to find out is a perfectly acceptable answer, right? They don't have to know everything, and the expectation shouldn't be they have to know everything. But it, it happens all the time, right? Or they're just premium shopping. Oh, I want to spend less. Well, in general, the only reason you're going to spend less is because you're getting less. And I'm not saying that you don't maybe need less, but that's not the end-all, be-all for sure. Well, and, and that's a great point. And that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves, Jay. Here's, I, I'm going to explain insurance in a way that all of your listeners will understand completely. Go into your kitchen, go into one of your cabinets and take out a little brown lunch bag. Take out a penny and drop the penny in a bag. When you need the penny, go back in and take the penny out. If you need more than a penny, you can fish around in the bottom of that bag but there's no more pennies in there. So you've only got a penny. However, if you put a dollar in there and you need a penny, you can take a penny out. But if you need another penny, there's another penny in there. You've got a dollar's worth of pennies in there. What what people don't understand the insurance industry is, is all we are is a big glorified bank. You put money in, we don't do anything. We don't fix your house. We don't fix your car. We don't do any medical on you. We do nothing. All we do is hold money until such time as you need it. And while we hold it, all we try to do is make a little bit of a profit off of it. So if there's a penny going in the bag, the most that's going to come out is a penny. But if there's a dollar going in the bag, you could get a hundred different pennies. And, and, and when times get good, people start thinking, oh, I'm spending a lot of money on insurance. This insurance is really expensive. I need something cheaper. They run out, they get something quote unquote cheaper. In other words, they put fewer pennies in the bag. And then when we have a black swan event, like we've just had, people come back and go, well, why didn't I have coverage? I paid for, I paid for coverage. Well, It's not what's on the front of the policy. It's not the numbers on the front of the policy. It's that three or 400 pages in the back of the policy that tell you what you have and what you don't have. If your policy is very thin, chances are you've got all the coverage you need. If your policy is really, really thick, there's a reason for it. Because each page is giving you something and then taking it back away. So it's really important to to understand your policy, not the coverage on the front page, not the numbers. The numbers aren't the issue. It's the actual coverage in the back. That's a great way to reference it. <laughs> so if you've got a one-page policy, 
policy, you're probably covered for everything. If you have a thousand pages, you're covered for almost nothing, right? Something like that. <laughs> I I had a I had a client one time that I went in to uh, quote, and he he gave me his policy, and it was in a three ring binder, and it was one of those two inch three ring binders, and he thumped it down on the desk, and the thing probably weighed the equivalent of maybe two reams of paper. And I looked at him, I said, what's this? He said, well, that's my policy. And I started laughing. And I said, why would anyone need a policy that takes a big three-inch, three-ring binder? And he goes, well, it's just the policy. I said, let's go through it. Well, the first 75 pages or so were boilerplate. And the next couple of hundred pages were endorsements taking away something that they gave you in the first 75. It got to the to the end. And he said to me, what do I have? I said, well, you don't have anything, but you're paying a lot of money for, for not having anything. And then I was able to go in there and for the most part, give him a far superior coverage uh, for a little bit more money. Right. And and it's not substantially more. And and anytime you're looking at this and if you're insuring your car for a hundred dollars a month and everybody around you is charging two hundred dollars a month, there's a reason. And you might say, Hey, I have the same liability limits, I have the same deductible, it's the same thing. Well, no. Maybe that company uh won't allow you to use uh, OEM parts. Maybe they'll make you use used parts, not not even you know aftermarket. Maybe they they make you use used. There are companies out there that'll do that, and the same thing holds true in commercial insurance. In commercial insurance, the the thing that kills more businesses than anything else is loss of use, business interruption. It's not your building burning down. You can have a three four million dollar building, but and and it burns to the ground and everybody thinks, oh my God, three or four million dollars. Oh, that's horrible. No, that's not the horrible part of the claim. The horrible part of the claim is how much money did that building produce for by having that building? So if I've got a three million dollar building, I'm probably generating 20 million out of that building in a year. And that's what people don't think about. I, I see it all the time. I, I walk in and people have uh, building policies. They have contents policies. They're insured to the hilt on that. All their information looks correct. And then I say to them, okay, I've burned it down. What are you going to get? And they said, oh, we're going to get the money for the building. Good. Where's your business going? And they said, well, we need the building for our business. Well, okay. <laughs> well, where's your business going to be in a year? And it's going to be out of business. Yeah, or just and and then all the people too, and the payroll, and all the people affected by that, and so on and so forth. The trickle down effect is immense. So everybody loves stories, right? So obviously, without giving out client names or whatever, maybe you got a couple good insurance or negative insurance stories where somebody thought they had something or didn't have something they really should have had, and and what was the result of that? Oh goodness! Sadly, after twenty-eight years, I've I've got more than I can discuss on on the. I, I had a gentleman one day, and this this was a personal lines one, so this was a homeowner's one. These people took care of my my children during the day while my wife and I worked, and I kept asking him about writing his his insurance, and he said, "Well, my uncle does my insurance, and I really can't keep it away from or take it away from the family." And I said, "Just let me look at it one day." 
And uh, he had a uh, 2,600 square foot house in here in Texas. And the house at the time was probably worth uh, 300 grand. And I looked at his policy and he was insured for $125,000. And I said, gee, you have $125,000 worth of coverage. And he goes, no, 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 I don't have that. I said, yeah, let's, let's look. I said, how long have you been with your uncle? He said, oh, probably 20 years. I said, what'd you pay for the house 20 years ago? He said, 125. I said, yep. They never even increased it, never looked at it over 20 years, and you still have 125,000. Had the house burned down, that's all he would have gotten. And he, he then said to me, don't leave. I need you to take care of this right now. And I was like, okay, but I got to get my computer. He goes, no, you can get your computer, but don't leave. I got to get this right now. I was like, mm-hmm, yep. I, I had another one here just recently. I insure uh, the largest installer of backup power generation in the United States, retail power generation. And uh, they were putting in a uh, about a 22 uh, kV generator in somebody's house. And as they were coming across digging a trench and that type of thing, the homeowner came out and said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want the generator on that side of the house. I want it on this other side of the house because it would be unsightly. And they said, well, but your gas line's over here. He said, no, 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 I, we'll move the gas line. Okay, great. Well, in order to do that, they had to go underneath this man's. And so they said, well, we don't trench. My client says, we don't trench. You know, we're going to have to hire somebody. He goes, oh, I know a guy who has one of those trenching or one of those things that drill underneath. Concrete. Right, right. He says, uh, I'll, I'll call him. So he calls him and they get out there. They were halfway underneath his driveway. And all of a sudden, his driveway just explodes. And there is a gush of water that comes out of uh, the ground. And what happened was he had bored through the 16 inch water line that happened to be running down the side of the street. He never, never tested for it. And everybody's running, everybody's going crazy. And, and he says, well, I got to go. And the guy says, what do you mean you got to go? He goes, well, I don't have any insurance and, and I don't want them to know that I broke their pipe. This is on your property. Tough nuts to you. And he got in his truck and he drove away. Holy cow. Yeah. And, and as it turns out, it was, uh, it was in the city of Austin and he, they used before they could shut the water off, uh, 320,000 gallons of water. And, and then, you know, they had to replace the pipe and the driveway and the homeowner got a bill for the water because they said, you didn't call. We could have told you that there was a water line there. You're not supposed to be drilling. The guy had no insurance. Uh, I had another one the other day. People that I know, I insure their business. It was their cha- the daughter's home. And uh, she needed some work done on a uh, pipe bib because we had had the freeze here uh, back in February. And uh, they they said, hey, that pipe bib's leaking You know, out, out to the hose bib, out to the street. Can you fix it? And they found a plumber. And the plumber said, oh, yeah, I can fix it. Everything's great. He needed to remove a couple of bricks off the side of the house in order to get to the inside. It was copper pipe. And he started sweating the pipe. And all of a sudden, they ran into his house. And they said, do you have a little bucket of water? And they said, well, yeah, what do you need water for? He goes, oh, we have a little fire. That little fire turned into a 
total of the house, just total ground. So the fire trucks are coming and the plumber hops in his truck and the owner of the house runs over to him. He goes, where are you going? And he goes, Oh man, I I don't have any insurance. I'm I'm not a licensed plumber. I'm going to get in trouble. And he drove off. And once again, it's, Oh gee, we got a plumber for a hundred bucks. Well, you got what you paid for. And we see this stuff all the time. And that's a great comment that get what you pay for, right? I can totally appreciate not wanting to overpay. Absolutely. Right. But too often chasing to the bottom almost never results in anything good. Initially, you may think, or even if your buddy, right, you ask your buddy for an insurance agent, a CPA, an attorney. Well, that doesn't mean he's the right guy for you, right? Based on experience, caught it, all kind of reasons, right? I'm not saying yep. you don't interview that person or don't talk to that person, but don't just because some other guy uses them for some other unrelated situation doesn't mean you should, right? And, well, then, and Jay, what they, what people have done, and you know what? My industry has done this. Your industry has done this. A lot of industries have done this. They have attempted to commoditize the service we provide, and we're providing a service. It's very hard to really commoditize a service. If I want a pair of men's BVD size large, I can go to a Walmart, I can go to Target, I can go to Macy's, and it's the exact same package made in the exact same factory. That, that's a commodity item. However, when you're getting advice, which is what we provide, uh, accountants, lawyers, doctors, we have practices, we're giving advice. And if you go on TV and you watch some of these companies who are trying to commoditize insurance and they're saying, here's a price gun, set your own price, or here's a small animal that's going to just make you laugh and then call us and you can choose your own price or you can choose your own coverage. What do you know about insurance? My my neighbor one time looked over the fence and he he was picking on me for being an insurance agent and about how expensive I was and that kind of thing. And I said to him, hey, do you, do you have a, a barber? And he goes, yeah. And I go, have you ever gone to him to get a root canal? And he goes, well, no, no, I haven't. Why? I go, then why the hell are you picking on me about being expensive? You're you're out there looking at your own insurance, doing it yourself. You don't know anything about it. We we spend years and years and years and years in continuing education and and sometimes college courses and and training after training after training just to keep up with the industry. And these these people are going online and and picking, you know, hitting a radio button online and picking coverages. They didn't even know what the coverage means. Yeah, you made a great comment on and our industries are commoditizing themselves. And here's why, right? So if I go buy insurance, I get a policy on a piece of paper and it says a bunch of stuff I don't understand, right? The mm-hmm. same applies to a tax return. Mm-hmm. You send me your information, I fill it out. And I give you back some paper with some numbers on it that you don't really know what you're looking at. You think you understand all you're really worried about is how much you're going to pay at the end of the year, right? But what it took to get to those points 
can be done two or very many different ways of which you never, ever see. And then they want to blame you when something goes wrong. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. it's like, well, time out. What did you buy? What did you want? What did you pay for? And while we try to, the stuff we have to commit on, compete on on the commodity side, right? Such as tax returns, for an example, we try to fill in by being a service provider and separate those two, right? Here's planning. Here's due. Let's meet. Let's talk about this and that. And then, yeah, we'll get your tax return done. Yep. Because if you try to combine the two, now all of a sudden you team seem too expensive compared to the other guy that will prepare your tax return for $300. Well, which one did you want? There's two very different things, although the apples to apples seems to get compared in the commodity side of things, right? Or I can do it myself. Well, you can maybe fill out the form yourself with the help of some software, but that's not, that's just, that's the result of what you did. Not right. planning for what you were th- want the result to be. There's two right. very different aspects. My, you know, when I talk to my my daughter, you know, she's been through medical school, she's been through residency, that type of thing, and she says, I, I asked her why they make as much as she as they do and as she does, and she said, Dad, do you want to go and get discount plastic surgery? Do you want discount brain surgery? If if you need brain surgery, you have a tumor in your brain and you need that out. Are you running down and and to the local doctors and saying, "Okay, I'll I'll do it with whoever can do it for the cheapest?" Or are you looking for the best? And and she's right. You're you're looking for the best. And I'm never going to be cheapest. And in fact, if if I am cheaper than what you have, there's probably something wrong. I probably missed something because I'm going to give you everything you need to protect your assets to the best of my ability. Because when you have that, oh, shucks moment where, and we've all had them where all of a sudden something happens and you just kind of, you get that flutter in your chest and you go, oh God, I hope I've got coverage for this. If you call me, chances are, I'm going to say, yeah, you got coverage for it. We'll take care of it. Uh, will give you the money it's going to take to fix whatever the problem is. But if you have that oh shucks moment, and instead of a, a man riding up on a white horse in a white hat, it's a man on a black horse in a black hat that goes, oh, sucks for you. You didn't have that coverage. And, or, and or rarely, the, this happens in my world and I think in yours, they've been sold way more stuff than they need. Right. It does happen or they can yep. be overcovered or over provided or just overcharged, especially in my world in the service side of things and go, well, you were with somebody for 20 years and they just raised your rate 10% every single year. And now they're doing the same thing they were doing 20 years ago, although you're just paying five times as much. Sure. Right. So sure. it, it's both ends. Now, I agree with you. Most of the time, if they're cheap, they're not getting what they need versus if it's too expensive, like you said, either I missed something or they're doing something else maybe you don't need or you don't have in that case, right? The same applies both ways. So I, it, I think it goes out to all of like, guys, just ask questions, right? Just don't, don't take it for a grain of salt. Ask questions. They should have answers. Don't be afraid to say, or especially if you're using a friend or a family member, like don't let them take advantage of you, whether they intend to or not, right? But yep. You have to protect yourself. You have to consider yourself. You have to ask those questions and you need to understand it. Trust is a good thing, but trust, but verify. 
Right. And then you you have what I lovingly call the urban legends, the the unicorns out there. I have people all the time say to me, I talk about flood insurance and we're here in Texas and, and we're in some of the most flood prone areas in the United States. And I say to people, here's a, a flood insurance quote. And they always say to me, oh, I don't need flood insurance. I'm not in a flood zone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, every single person in the United States is in a flood zone. There is a zone for you. It's either going to be uh, V, uh, A, B, C, or X, but you are in a flood zone. And what people don't understand is 30% of all buildings that flood every year are in a zone that is either uh, C or X, which means you're out of the floodway. You're an area in which the government thinks, yeah, you shouldn't flood. But 30% of those people, 30% of the claims are in those areas. So it's the same thing when I get on an airplane. I get on an airplane, I expect that pilot to take off and get me to where I'm going. And then I get off the plane and wave and say goodbye. I don't expect to die or have a plane crash. But those, those things happen. And, you know, just because it hasn't happened to you before doesn't mean it won't happen to you. And a lot of times people that don't really have an expertise in the in the specific industry will tell you things like your mortgage broker will tell you, oh, you don't need flood insurance or your real estate agent will say, you don't need flood insurance. You're not in the flood zone. And then I have to combat that. Right. And I'm sure you see that in accounting, too, where somebody says something that and it could be almost anything. And now Jay's got to convince somebody, no, what they told you was wrong. Yeah, actually, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays tend to be the busiest days for me for that reason. Yep. Because over the weekend, they're at the barbecue and their buddy who's got some business or works for some company or does something says something that could be relevant to them, wrong or right. Who knows? So then my client comes along and calls me on Monday or Tuesday. Go, hey, so I heard this. I go, yeah, that doesn't apply to you. <laughs> right. And or whatever he described to you, that doesn't re that doesn't exist either. So either he doesn't understand it. I'm not saying he's doing it wrong or it's not appropriate, but yeah, that's not the same thing. Right. And it happens all the time. And for the same reason, just like you said, just because you're not in a hundred year flood zone, right? Doesn't mean you can't flood. And I think a lot of people around here actually learn that the hard way with Harvey. Right. right. Yeah. And all of a sudden where you didn't think you could flood, now you did. And you didn't just flood. It was like four feet in your house flood, right? It's not yeah. like you got two inches of water, although six inches and four feet pretty much does about the same damage. But right. it, it doesn't matter. The point is like, okay, now this was a whole new deal. And those that had at that level, you know, cost them a few hundred dollars a year in flood insurance. Great, right? And if you didn't, you got hosed. So, that is the lesson you learn, and th and that's with any insurance, right? It's all about risk management. Yeah. What do you What are you paying for for versus what are you going to come out of pocket yourself if, if it happens? And and that's why, you know, insurance to me, it although it's highly regulated, and I'm sure you get frustrated with that in some cases, right? Something like medical insurance, and I know you don't do this, but. You know, like Obamacare, well, I know that's not the name of it, the Affordable Care Act forces you 
to have certain insurances and the insurance companies to provide certain levels of service, right? It's forced, it's mandated. Or having liability auto insurance, although I agree with it because there's a lot of crazy people out there, realistically, insurance should be I'm paying so that I don't have to pay if something dramatic happens, but I have the ability to pay if I choose not to have that coverage. Now, while we all know there's a lot of humans out there that don't have the responsibility to actually do that. And that's the point of having insurance is so that when those things happen, it protects the person or situation you're in versus having to rely on what that person may or may not have in their bank account to, you know, make things right. It's just, it's, it's very interesting in, in how people rush to certain insurances when maybe they need it. Maybe they don't, right? Just, uh, just because, right? I mean, insurance, there's a lot of feel good in insurance. And again, doesn't mean you don't need it, but it also makes you feel good when you think you're protected or you think you are, and then you're not. That's even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is you can get good, really good insurance for about two cents on the dollar of what you're covering. Okay. So if you've got a, if you've got a $300,000 house, that's six grand. You can get, you can get darn good coverage for six grand. Hell, you can do it for, for less. You probably do it for a penny on the dollar in commercial insurance because you're getting a lot more in commercial insurance. We usually thumbnail it at about, uh, 2%. So. And that's all of your insurance. That's workers' comp, but your GL, your property, your commercial auto, and that type of thing. And and when I talk to uh, new business owners, I I teach for SCORE, the Senior Corps of uh, Retired Executives through the SBA. And a lot of people will be starting a business and they'll say, how much should I set aside for insurance? And I usually tell them 2% of uh, your revenues to start off because they don't know what they're going to insure yet or 2% of, of what you're trying to insure is, is a real good number. And when you think about that, if you spend 2% a year and you do it for 50 years, okay, now you've literally paid a hundred percent of what it is. However, statistics like for fires, you're going to have a fire of some sort once every 19 years. A car accident is once every, I think it's like 125,000 miles. You're going to have some sort of fender bender or something. You know, there's a lot of statistics out there. And if, if you're like me, and I get in a vehicle and I drive 40, 50, 60,000 miles a year in my business, I'm going to have an accident no matter how good of a driver I am. And whether it's, yeah, whether it's your fault or not either, just because you're out there. Exactly. Exactly. My, my neighbor uh, got struck by lightning here recently and uh, they had, they had a bit of a house fire and yeah. Okay. Uh, They, they didn't put a lightning rod on their roof. They weren't looking for that. And had I told them that that would happen 20 minutes before it happened, they'd tell me I was crazy. Right. So, so it's, it's protect your assets, uh, protect your wealth when you start getting to my age, you really start thinking about that in that I've worked real hard all my life. I've done well. I, I'm set as close as I'm going to be to set to uh, get to retirement. What I don't want to have happen is somebody take that money from me. 
because I, I was stupid. You know, maybe I'm looking down at my phone. Somebody's crossing the street with a baby carriage or something. And God forbid, I, I hit a mother and there's twins in there. And, and then I get sued and they sue me for multiple millions of dollars. If I don't have that protection and the lawyers get into my bank accounts and get into my businesses and that type of thing and say, hey, this guy's got a lot of money. They're going to take as much of that as they possibly can. And what I want is I want an insurance company to be fighting. And and if I do lose, the insurance company to pay and not me. I don't want to get to retirement and have to work at the Walmart or, you know, giving somebody a carriage in my 70s. It's, it's not what I plan for. So if there's one thing you could tell a business owner to go do today relative to their insurance, what would you tell them to do? Pull out all of your policies and look at them. If you don't understand what you have, talk to your agent. If your agent can't explain it to you in a way that you can understand it, then find another agent and have them explain it to you and just keep shopping until you find somebody that you feel comfortable with. There are a lot of people out there who aren't going to be able to understand what they see and they're going to go to their agent. And if they don't ask the hard questions and get the answers and the agent just sort of rolls over them, then they'll go, okay, well, I think, I, I think I understand it. What what you want are one sentence answers. If, if they can't explain your coverage in a sentence or two, then there's a problem. You know, building coverage. Okay, if anything happens to your building, we're going to pay to build a new one. All right, good. Contents coverage. Anything happens to your contents. Uh, loss of use coverage. We're going to pay your lost revenue if anything happens to your building. You know, that's the kind of conversation you need to be having so that you understand it. You understand every line. Take notes. Take notes. Write it on your policy. And whatever your agent told you, write it down. Take take control of your life. You're, you're, it's, it's the same thing in, in medicine. It's the same thing with attorneys. You go in and you think, oh my God, they're talking way over my head and I don't want to seem stupid. So I'm not going to ask a question. The only stupid question is the question that wasn't asked. Yep. You know, pe- people ask me all the time, can I ask you a stupid question? I said, as long as I can give you a stupid answer. You know, and there are no stupid questions. If you have a question, it's not stupid. That's the job we're in. We're in the the explaining business. And and that's that's what attorneys, accountants, doctors, people that have practices, they're called practices for a reason. They're not called perfect, right? There isn't <laughs> one answer for everything. I had a doctor working on me one day and I said, what's wrong with me, doc? I had gone numb all the way up into my chest. And he said to me, well, there's a book about neuralgia, which I guess is what numbness is called. He said, there's a book about neuralgia. It's probably 500 pages. You don't have the first hundred pages or so. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? He said, well, that means you're going to live because the other 400 pages are just nuisances. The first 100 are the ones you, you know, you don't want to have. And I said, well, what do I have? And he, he said to me, I'm in a practice. It isn't a perfect, I don't know. And I went, wow. And he, he had gone to Harvard and I'm like, ooh, it's that bad. Well, 
time went by and, and the numbness went away and, and we never quite knew what it was. But, but it's good to know that he knew the first hundred pages. Right. Well, they feel a lot more comfortable. So, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a practice. Yeah. And I think that goes to, again, asking questions, be engaged. Don't take it from the, just that I love it when my clients ask me questions, because actually it gives me a chance to teach and, you know, help explain and hopefully get to the, a better understanding it. So just in case I didn't happen to ask the right question to begin with or see the right thing on a financial statement, that maybe something else comes to light. Because, again, they didn't know necessarily what to tell me. I can't ask everything. It's impossible, right? So it, it's good to have conversations or sometimes just call up your attorney, your agent, your CPA and go, hey, well, how are things going? I mean, I try to do that with a lot of my clients, but you know, it's hard to sometimes take the time or make the time, right? That's really the key. Make yeah. the time to work on your business that includes your professional service invider, advisors to make sure you're doing the right thing. And in the end, maybe it costs you a little bit of money, but in the end, you'll be way better off. Right. Either you're you're better protected, you've grown better, right? You're legally better protected in case something happens, whatever, all of those things. But if you don't pay attention to it, you go the cheap route and just whatever you can buy online or, or talk to in some other way, it will, not saying that it will, but it could come back and bite you uh, very easily. And actually, I always say some of my very best clients are the ones who've had problems in the past because now they understand what they actually need to do so that that doesn't happen or at least understand it. So, yep. Yep. Well, and and what we've noticed here over the last year and a half or so with COVID is there are a lot of people who would never discuss life insurance with us because of the fear of death. It was bad juju, you know, they they just didn't want to discuss it. There we've got people now that have relatives that have passed away, spouses that have passed away. I had one this week in fact, a 43-year-old man uh, passed away with COVID. And and now people are approaching us and saying, hmm, it's time to have that conversation. <laughs> you know, and so you, you never know when that conversation is going to come up or, or they'll call you and they'll say, do you do life insurance? And you go, oh, good God, I've only talked to you a hundred times about this. <laughs> and you, you just shake your head and you go, oh, yeah, 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 we do that. Let's let's talk about it. And, and, and then they go, the person who didn't want a $50,000 policy before for a burial is now calling you saying, I think I need a million dollars. And I, I had I had one the other day. It was a, a very large business here, a very large small business here in the area. And there are three partners. And I, I walked in and I looked at one of the partners and I said, do you want to be in business with your other partner's girlfriend's new attorney boyfriend? And he just looked at me and it took him a while to, to kind of dissect that. And then he went, oh, God, no. And one of his partners has got this brand new girlfriend who is just nuttier than a squirrel. And, and he's like, oh, God, no. If something happens to him, he's probably left everything to her already. And I went, mm-hmm, yep. So how are you going to pay her off? He's like, okay, we need to fix this. <laughs> and, right. and then right. and we had we had the fix, right? And, and, and that fix led to some other fixes in their life. And, and, and they know people that are that are dying of of covid and they're dying prematurely and and one of the challenges is and, and a lot of people don't know this 
one out of every three people will die before the age of 65. That's, that's the statistic. Uh-huh. And, and that's the only reason why social security still works, right? Because three are paying in, but only two are collecting. And if you're in a room, you know, go home tonight and look at your family and go, mm, if there's three of us in the room, one of us isn't making it to 65. And then you start deciding who in that room isn't going to make it, but you never think it's Jay. Right. Right. And, and that's something that is, is shocking people right now due to the current pandemic. Well, and whether it was COVID or something else in the future or a heart attack or a car wreck or, or I mean, there's all these other things that everybody thinks it's not going to be them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's not going to be them. And no matter what, even if you're the healthiest person in the world, you eat right, you exercise, you do everything right. That still doesn't mean you can't die in a car wreck or have a heart attack. You hear the stories about the, oh, my God, he was a marathon runner. And at 42 mm-hmm. years old, he just keeled over one day. I, that's the stuff that happens that no matter what, right? And unless it's really close to you, you don't understand that. Like my dad passed away of ALS at 60. Mm. At 57, he was fine. Wow. So at 57, he gets diagnosed with ALS. The first two years was like, okay, he's having some neuromuscular issues, but nothing real bad. Maybe he'll last longer than the three-year average of once you're diagnosed with ALS. Nope. The last six months was like a just a total drop-off. And, and I think that's why the average is three years. There's some people, I actually had a high school buddy, same thing around the same time. His dad got ALS or, you know, it came about. You really, I think you've had it for a long time. So it started to bubble up and within six months he was gone. Wow. Right. That's the law of averages. So like you said, if the average age of Americans today, or even the globally is whatever it is, 75 or 78 years old. Well, that means there are people who live to a hundred and then there's people who live to 50. Right. So, and it's everywhere in between. That's what an average is. And so you have to decide yourself. No one else can do it for you. How you feel about that? What are you doing to protect yourself as best you can and or those that rely on you? All of those things. But thinking you're not going to be the one, maybe you won't, but maybe you will. Back early in my career, very early, within the first year of, of starting in the insurance industry, I I was trying to sell anything I possibly could. And I had a personal friend of mine who I tried for almost a year to get him to buy some life insurance. And uh, I was at a 4th of July party here locally, and it was at his house. And we were sitting out by the pool and his wife walked out and she looked at me and she said, has he bought life insurance yet? And I said, no. And she looked at him and she pointed down between her legs and she said, look at this. And he kind of looked there and she said, this is closed until you buy life insurance. And she walked away and he went, oh, God, he said, I'm, uh, now I'm in trouble. And I, I said, OK, well, you know, you need some life insurance. He said, yeah, but what am I going to do now? Oh, and I said, no, I've got an application in the trunk of my car at that point. Yeah. You can <laughs> pay for applications. So I went and I wrote him a policy. And it was a $500,000 policy and it was $52 uh, a month. It was a universal life policy. And I filled out everything. I took the check. And on the way back to, to my house, 
I went by the Gosling post office and uh, tossed it in the, in the mailbox that's out there where you, you sort of uh-huh. drive through. Uh-huh. Right. And that was about maybe 5:30 ish in the afternoon and about 7:30, I get a call from Carla and she's crying and I can barely understand her. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, Carl's dead. And I went, what? She said, Carl's dead. I'm like, no, this is a bad joke. You know, I was just there. And right. she goes, no, Carl's dead. And I said, what the hell happened? And what had happened was he was cleaning up after the party and had put all of his trash in the one of those rolly trash cans. And he rolled it down to the street. And a drunk driver came down the street and ran him over at the end of his driveway and killed him. And Jeez. he had purchased the insurance, Jay, not more than three hours prior to that. Wow. I, that's then that's the closest I've I've ever come. It would be tough to beat that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 cutting it as close as you can cut it. And and as it turns out, when it was all said and done, the company I wrote for wrote it for or with. Back in those days, there was a law that said if they gave you a check, you would get 50000 as temporary insurance. So he had given me a check. So I thought, okay, well, at least she's going to get fifty. And the the insurance company, of course, thought, oh, this, this sounds a little flaky. When right. did you write this policy? That kind of thing. And when they received it, there was actually a uh, date stamp, and and I didn't realize this that the post office actually works uh, t- three sixty five, and at six o two they had gone out, opened up that box, taken out all the mail that was in there, and run it through the cancellation machine, and there was a time on there that was six o two p.m. And, and he died at about seven 30. So they said, yeah, we, we can tell that it was written beforehand. And if he would normally make it through the normal paramed exam and that kind of thing, we'll give him the full 500. And wouldn't you know, he was in good health and she ended up getting 500,000. It, um, you know, it, it was a huge change of her life losing her husband, but at least she didn't lose her house too, you know, and they had two kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and no one wants I mean, insurance, no matter what, a lot of it is doom and gloom, whether you talk about life insurance or really anything else, right? Because you're insuring, you're insuring in a lot of cases against some sort of dramatic event, right? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people don't want to talk about it or don't want to deal with it because it's just a negative connotation, which I can appreciate. I'm a positive guy. I like to think positively, but you also have to be smart about what reality is, right? What is really reality? But it goes both ways too. Don't get yourself overinsured because you're scared of something, right? Sure. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Just because you make $100,000 a year, you don't need a $100 million life insurance policy, right? right? But there are, you know, so it can go both ways. Don't overinsure yourself just for the, because of fear, because fear is a feeling, not reality. So, but that's where a good agent should walk you through that and make sure that you're getting what you need versus what you have or what you don't have. And I think insurance agents are a wonderful thing and they should be used appropriately. And and you're right, going and, you know, buying online because you see a commercial on TV. Uh, you're probably not getting what you need. You may be getting something and it mm-hmm. might help, but that doesn't mean that's what you need. Not even close. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. I don't, I don't do my own dentistry. I don't cut my own hair. Well, I did once during COVID and that wasn't good, but, but yeah, I, I, there's a lot of things I don't do. And, and you know, my wife, she, she now doesn't allow me to do any plumbing or electrical at the house either because I've been electrocuted and I did uh, flood out our living room. So we needed all new wood floors. So there's a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. And right. uh, there's a lot of things most of us shouldn't be doing. And uh, so hire, hire a professional. Absolutely. Well, that's a great way to end. And Keith, I appreciate your time today. And I hope everybody learns something or at least is able to ask a question going forward and making sure they're questioning what they have and getting what they need. So Keith, I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Jay. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, we will talk to you later. And there it is. Another fantastic episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at maverickcpa.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at BakerTilly.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.